0: Uh, Come to our God in prayer Let's pray Heavenly Father we come to you this morning We ask O Lord that your spirit will speak To our hearts Give us receptive Hearts, attentive ears To listen to your word And Father we pray Today that you would encourage us in you Lord That you would Strengthen us in our faith in Christ That you make us Strong in him Lord In Jesus' name, Amen. Well friends, this morning let me begin with a question. The question is this, who keeps you safe? Who keeps you safe? If you are a child here this morning, you would say that your parents are the ones who would keep you safe. Uh, They would look after you, they would care for you, provide for you. Take you to kinder, take you to school, bring you back safely home, tuck you back into your beds and say good night, and they would keep you safe. You see, to be safe is to be confident that you are in a secure environment, that no one can harm you in any shape or form. Today, we live in a climate where the issue of safety and security is at the moment forefront in our minds. Here in Australia we know that the country has been placed on high alert with possible threats against the nation. And so the duty of every government is to ensure the safety and security of its citizens. We look at the world and we ask ourselves the question, how safe is the world? Those of us who Are traveling, perhaps? You might ask the question as you travel overseas. Well, is it safe for me to travel? How safe is the world that we live in? So, who keeps you safe is a very relevant and important question, particularly also at this time in our own nation. So, for Australia, we are thankful that we have the ACO, the Australian Security and Intelligence Organization the Australian Federal Police, the State Police, the Australian Defence Force, and there are many other agencies doing everything they can to keep us safe. But this morning, I want to speak about another kind of security, really from Psalm 121, under the title of this question, Who Keeps You Safe? And so today we continue to work our way Through some of the Psalms. Professor Tremper Longman, in his excellent book, How to Read the Psalms, makes the following observation about the Psalms. He says this The Psalms appeal to the whole person, they demand a total response. The Psalms inform our intellect, arouse our emotions, direct our wills, and stimulate. Our imaginations. That's what the Psalms does. And as I had previously mentioned, John Calvin, the great reformer, said this about the Psalms. The Psalms are the anatomy of the soul. It's the anatomy of the souls. And so in the Psalms, friends, we do see ourselves, don't we? We can identify with the Psalmist. As they struggled through the issues of faith and life. As they journeyed through life, they struggled with the big issues of life as well as the small issues of life as well. We see their honesty as they dealt with their faith in God in the midst of their own personal challenges as they journeyed through life. And so as we read the Psalms, we get encouragement for our own journeys here on earth as we trust in the God who has made us. So this psalm, here in Psalm 121, is a psalm that gives us that confidence, a psalm that calls us to cry out to God, a psalm that reminds us that God watches over us, a psalm that calls us to trust Him as we journey in this life. And so this morning, as we look at Psalm 121, I want to refer to the famous 19th century Scottish missionary, David Livingstone. David Livingstone was an explorer of the uncharted interiors of Africa. And on the morning, he left Scotland for the mission field in 1840. He gathered with his family and read Psalm 121. He read this Psalm 121 to seek the strength from the Lord for the long, challenging journey ahead of him. And it is said that his mother-in-law, his mother-in-law, read Psalm 121 with him as well, and wrote in a farewell letter the Psalm that this Psalm 121 would constantly be before her as she prayed for him. And part of her prayer was this. Unceasing prayer is made for you when I think of you. My heart will go upwards. Keep him as the apple of thine eye. Hold him in the hollow of thine hand. And as we know, friends, the Lord gave David Livingstone the power to fulfill the many challenges and hardships he encountered in Africa. And by God's grace, David Livingstone, from the human perspective, opened up the continent of Africa to the gospel of Christ. And this psalm, Psalm 121, was so important in David Livingstone's life. And it was so helpful for him to keep the course and to go the journey in the midst of all of his challenges and ups and downs. So that the gospel can be taken and was taken into the utmost parts of Africa. And look at what God is doing in Africa today. You talk to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And you feel the enthusiasm, don't you? When you speak with them. I had the opportunity recently of meeting with uh, the leader of uh, African Enterprise from Kenya. And that brother, when he sings, his body is swaying, he's moving. And he came and sat next to me and said, Brother, God is doing a great work in my country, will you come and visit us? Well, I hope, in God's grace, we will be able to go one day and see what God is doing in Africa. And David Livingstone read this psalm. Got encouragement from it and kept this psalm at the forefront in his life as he journeyed with the gospel of Christ into Africa. What a psalm this was for him. So Psalm 121 has been called the traveler's psalm. Because it is a psalm that gives strength and hope in the Lord as one embarks on a journey not really knowing what to expect along the way. I remember, friends, that when I first came to Australia in 1986, a long time ago, all by myself, uh, a young guy in this new country. I don't think I'm still. I'm not old, but I'm older. (laughs) Uh, Well, 1986, I came here as a young guy in this place. I first time been to Australia. First time been overseas. I went to Geelong, and my room, as as I mentioned previously, I think was in the it was in the basement of the house. I was in a new city and in a new country as a stranger. I wasn't really sure what to expect in this new country as I embarked on this journey here in Australia. And I recall at the time reading this very psalm, Psalm 121, many times. Because in this psalm, I found great strength from the Lord as I read it, meditated upon it, and prayed... For God's grace and strength to be given to me to embark on a new journey in a new country with all its challenges. And all migrants here, if you left your country and come here, you know what I'm speaking of here. The challenges of settling down in a new place is always confronted. And our Lord is with us. So Psalm 121 is a traveler's psalm. You notice there in this psalm it begins or it's, it has those words, a song of ascent. That's how it's described here. It is a pilgrim psalm. It was a psalm that the Jews would have sung as they made their way into Jerusalem. The pilgrims would travel to Jerusalem for the Jewish festivals. And before the journey began, a leader would ask or perhaps sing the first line of the psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? And then the people... The travelers would respond individually. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. In this sense, friends, it is the traveler's psalm. Life is a journey. All of us know that. As we navigate through the journey of life, we encounter many challenges, don't we? Many ups and many downs. Many challenges that come our way, and we wonder at times how will we navigate through this journey of life. And the question then is, who keeps you safe as you and I navigate through the journey of life? And so this morning, as we look at this psalm, we're going to look at three aspects of this psalm today: verses one and two, God our helper; verses three to six, God our protector; verses seven and eight, God our preserver, our helper, our protector, our preserver. Friends, look with me in your Bibles, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This was a tough journey to Jerusalem. The trip meant that the pilgrims would have to make the upward ascent up to Jerusalem. They did not have paved roads except for the well-trodden paths across the valleys and alongside the rivers. Something like this. This was a tough journey with rough terrain. And the pilgrims would ask the question, would I be safe? Will I make it? What would happen to me along the way? Would I be attacked? Would I be robbed along the journey? Significant questions. And as the tired pilgrim had been traveling for days... His body would have been tired and Jerusalem would have been a long way off. But as the pilgrim came within the sight of Jerusalem, he would have seen the hills that surrounded the city. Jerusalem was God's city. It was the city where God had chosen to have his earthly dwelling. And it continues to be a a great City. And as the pilgrim suddenly sees the hills of Judah in the distance, he said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? You see, to many friends, the hills. Or the mountains gave them a sense of security and a feeling of confidence. And so this pilgrim would say, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he asked the question, where does my help come from? A good question. Where or who is going to help me in my journey to reach Jerusalem? Where does my help come from? Friends, don't we all need help? Yeah? Don't we all need help from time to time in life? We all need that, right? We go to the doctors, we need if you go to the hospital, you need the help of the doctors and the nursing staff to help you get better, right? If you get older and you can't walk properly, you need someone to help you along the way. To help guide you with the with your walker or whatever it might be. In life We need help from one another. Our young people need the help and support of each other so that they can grow up to be men and women who would love and serve Christ. They need help in their relationships. They need help to guide them in the paths of life. Don't we as parents sit down and talk with our children on the issues of life? We do that, don't we? Because they need the help and guidance. We need the help and support of each other in in this world. It's an important question. Where does my help come from? You see, the Lord uses people to provide and to care for, for, for one another. I remember when, when we came back and migrated to this country, the Lord was so good to us. We cried out, Lord, our help is in you. And the Lord in his providence provided us furniture. Provided us a microwave. Believe it or not. It's what nearly 20 years old. It was already a second hand microwave. And it is still going. I mean that's remarkable isn't it? This microwave is still working. And it's still there in our house. If you come past and show it to you. It's still there as a testimony. Each time I look at this microwave. And each time I use it. I give thanks to God. For the family that donated that to us. Because we couldn't afford it. You see, God gives us help along the way. He's our helper. You see, the psalmist cries out, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, he does not look to the hills for help, friends. He's not looking to anyone or anything that is dwelling on the hills for help. You see, the, the hills with their high points... If you you look at the background here, had been the places where the Canaanites identified their gods with the mountains. And they worshipped these false gods on the mountains. And on the hills, they worshipped with cultic prostitution on the hills. But this pilgrim, on this journey, looked beyond the hills. And he says, my help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. You see, it is so tempting in life to put our full and ultimate confidence in the world. And not in the one who actually made it. And who can supply all the help we need. We may not look to the hills, so to speak. But are we not tempted to place our confidence in this world for help and sustenance for life? Are we not tempted, friends, to put our hopes in this world, as if this world can provide for everything in our life? It can't. See, the pilgrim in this psalm says, I look beyond the hills because my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes From Jehovah. He lifts his eyes. And he sees the hills. Where am I going to get this help? But this much he knows. That he can trust the Lord. Who made the heavens and the earth. He believes in the Lord. Who created the heavens and the earth. He believes in the God. Who made the mountains the hills. For Psalm 51 10 says this. (coughs) Sorry Psalm 50 and verse 10. For every animal of the forest is mine. And the cattle of a thousand. Hills. Belongs to whom? To whom? To God. If this God has made the heavens and the earth, you believe that? Do you believe that this morning? Do you have a response? This is not an auction. (laughs) Do you have a response? Yeah, we do, right? Uh, I trust, I hope you do. This God who made the heavens and the earth, who sustains all of life, this God who has created us in his image, Psalm 139 says it, you have fearfully and wonderfully put me together, you knit me together in my mother's womb, this God who has created us and given us life, is the same God who stands behind us and says, I will help you. And the psalmist says, my help is coming. From you. And you God who made everything. Will you not take care. Of your child. See my help. Comes from you. The God who can supply. And provide our every. Need. Like Like the apostle Paul said. My God will supply. All my needs. According to his glorious riches. In Christ. Jesus. My help comes from him. See, he believes in the Lord. And the word Lord that is used here in the Hebrew is the word Yahweh. The, 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 the I am God. You see, the promise-keeping one. The loving and gracious one who has provided for his people and helped his people along the journey in their own lives. Bringing them out of the journey from Egypt. Yahweh God. The covenant-keeping God is the one that the psalmist says, I will get my help from. Because why? Because this God has covenanted with me. And brought me to this point. And I am His and He is mine. And this God, the covenant, is my helper in my life. Wow. Do you see that this morning, friends? The Lord is the one who has made the heavens and the earth. Charles Spurgeon the great preacher, Baptist preacher, said this, Jehovah who created all things is equal to every emergency. Heaven and earth are at the disposal of him who made them. Therefore, let us by very joyful, let us be very joyful in our infinite helper. I think that's fantastic what he's saying there. Right. Therefore, let us be very joyful in our infinite. Helper. Are you joyful in this Lord? Is the joy of the Lord your strength this morning? Yeah? Amen to that, right? Because this, knowing this Yahweh, as Spurgeon as, as says, Yahweh who created all things is equal to every emergency. Heaven and earth are at the disposal of him who made them. Therefore, let us be very joyful in our infinite helper. That's Him. You see, that's the point of this psalm. See, we read also in Psalm uh, 20 and verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You see, friends, ultimately, it is the Lord who is our helper, my helper, because he is the maker of heaven and earth. Further, God is also our protector. Verses 3 and 4, if you have your Bibles, please see that. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Uh, It is said that when the Greek Greek, uh, great general, Alexander, uh, was asked this question, how could he sleep soundly in the midst of personal danger? Alexander the Great replied, That is faithful God, Parmenio. I think I got that pronunciation right. What a name, eh? Parmenio. He said, I can sleep soundly because my faithful God, Parmenio, is watching. He is up. He is awake. So I can sleep soundly. Friends, what about us? How much more is our God watching over us? He says, He will not let your foot slip. God will not let that happen. He will not let your foot slip because He who watches over you will not slumber. And the reason that God will not let His foot slip, let let the Psalmist's foot slip, is, sorry, this pilgrim, is this because He who watches over you will not slumber. God will not be slum, slumberous, as it were. He will not sleep. Remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal? What happened there? You know the story? What happened? Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Remember that challenge? And he called the prophets of Baal and he said, Look, where is your God? He's not answering. And this is what Elijah said in 1, 1 Kings word, verse. Uh, sorry, one Kings 18, and in verse 27. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely, he is a god. Perhaps, he is in deep thought, or busy, or traveling. Maybe, he is sleeping, and must be awakened. Our Lord does not sleep. He's not drowsy. He doesn't need someone to give him a little knock, and say, Wake up, wake up. Get up. He never sleeps. Think about sleep for a moment. I'm a gifted sleeper. I Ask Rose and she'll tell you that. <laughs> I can sleep anytime, anywhere. I thank God for that. I put my head down in bed and in two minutes I'm gone. That's it. We all sleep, right? We all need sleep. If you don't sleep properly, as the kid said, we become grumpy and tired. But not so with the Lord. He does not doze off. He never sleeps. The word watch here is to guard, to keep, to watch. It is used six times in this psalm. And the Lord watches over us. Notice 3a. It is a personal assurance. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you, sorry 3b, will not slumber. He who watches over you will not slumber. And then... He watches over Israel. So that's a personal thing and a body thing. Yeah, What a wonderful thought this is. What an amazing truth. What a wonderful assurance. That the God who made the heavens and the earth. Watches over you. Individually. And he watches over me. And he watches over his people. Collectively. Does that encourage you this morning? Does that make your heart glad? To know that the Lord watches over you? So, you know, our daughter has been away in Singapore, and often I talk to her on Skype. And I'm, I'm kind of a suki guy, right? I I, I, see her, and I talk to her, and I come back, and oh no. And, uh, you know, I, I remind her of these things. I know I'm speaking to you over Skype, but the Lord watches over you. I'm looking forward to Jessica coming, actually, on Wednesday. I can't wait to see her, but anyway, it's a different point. (laughs) The point is, wherever we are, wherever we go, no matter to the utmost parts of the world, this God who made the heavens and the earth watches over you individually. And he watches over his people collectively. What a comfort. What a joy. What an assurance. We encourage friends this morning. Because this God knows you by name. He knows you individually. And he watches over you individually. And he watches over his people collectively. So he is our keeper day and night. He is on watch 24-7. God is ever awake, ever alert, always focused on the needs of his people. He is our protector. The Lord watches over you. Verse 5. The sun is your shade at your right hand. The sun... The, the the Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. You see, the psalmist says here, God is my shade. He provides the necessary relief I need. You see, the danger of a sunstroke in this region was very real. But there's no real danger from the moon. However, the Greek... And the Latin words for insanity comes from the word moon, from which we get the English word lunatic. And it is said that there was a belief at the time that the moon's rays would affect the behavior of the mind. And so people might say so and so becomes a lunatic according to the full moon. (laughs) Well, the psalmist, friends, reminds us. And this is what uh, Montgomery Boy says here on this. What the psalmist really means, though in figurative language, is that nothing either of the day or night can harm us if God is keeping guard. God is our covering against every calamity. He is our shade against the visible perils of the day as well as the hidden perils of the night. One writer puts it this way, what we see here in Psalm 121, particularly of these verses, we have around the clock protection by our God. Around the clock. And further friends, we see that God is our preserver, verses 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. There are four things that the Lord promises you, that we see here in this text. The Lord will keep us from all harm. He will watch over our lives. He will watch over our comings and goings. He will do this always, now and forevermore. You see, the psalm closes with the assurance that the Lord is the preserver of all of life. In the midst of all the insecurities of this world, the Lord is able to keep us from falling. Travelers to Jerusalem face many threats in their lives. They would have robbers along the way. But notice that the Lord himself would protect them from all harm. He will do this for his people. He will watch over his people. He will watch over their comings and goings. Do you live a busy life? Sometimes we don't know whether we are coming or going. We are so busy, aren't we? We are busy people. But the Lord watches over our comings and our goings. We are going here and we are going there and we are coming here and we are going to the other place. And we are running from this place to the other place. And if you are a busy mum, you will be taking your, your son or your daughter from piano lessons to, to soccer or to basketball. And you are doing this and you are doing that. And, man! And all of these things. The Lord watches over our comings and our goings. Some days are busier than others. But we have this assurance to know. That as we trust him. And place our faith in him. He will watch over your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Anyone? And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will... Direct your paths. See, that's our Lord. See, by ourselves, friends, we will fail miserably. But as we trust him, he will direct our paths. He will do this always, now and forevermore. Because Israel's preserver and ours is the living and true God. So as we conclude this message this morning... A justifiable question perhaps would have come up in your mind. And the question is this if the Lord protects us, then how come? How come many Christians are suffering and thousands have been killed for their faith? Did that question cross your mind? If this is so, Chris, if this is what we see in Psalm 121, then how come? He has not watched over me. How come he hasn't watched over his people? How come our brothers and sisters in Christ are being persecuted in places like Iraq and Syria and other parts of the Middle East? How come? We just read last night how Christians were attacked in Nigeria. I mean, Rose read to me an article last night. And I thought, when we prayed for that situation, how come, Lord? Well, this doesn't make sense. And I struggle with this as well. As I was preparing this talk, it came up in my mind. Is this really true? Where are you, God? How come there is suffering? How come I've been hurt in my life? How come my relationships perhaps have gone sour? How come things have happened to me? Where are you when I need you? Where is that help? You might say, well, Chris, it's easy for you to say these things from Psalm 121. Get into the real world. (laughs) The real world is the challenging world, not the place within the church building. This is a comfortable, nice uh, zone to be in. But in the real world, there's suffering going on for Christians. They don't even know whether they can walk out of their church building, whether they'll be shot. Well, That's a good question, isn't it? If the Lord protects. You see, if the Lord is my helper, how come I've got troubles? You see, the point, friends, of this psalm is not that we will have no problems and setbacks in life. In fact, the psalmist acknowledges it because that's what we see here. He's acknowledging that there will be tough times. He acknowledges the journey is going to be hard. He recognizes that there's going to be harm in this journey. He recognizes, if you look at this psalm carefully, that things are going to be difficult. And that's why he needs the watch of God over his life. He's acknowledging those things. You see, we live in a fallen world, don't we? We live in a world that is fallen and broken due to sin sin against God. We travel through this world With all its sin and turmoil and its violence and its terror and the fear of terrorism and everything else. Because this world is broken. And we travel through this world as pilgrims. As his people, we are aliens and strangers in this world. And this is precisely why we need the Lord in our lives to keep us safe. And the point of the psalm is that the Lord will keep us safe as we go through life. What assurance do we... Now the question is this. What assurance do we have that he would do this? How do we know this? You see, we have this assurance because God. And this is so important because I have struggled with this myself. We have this assurance. You know why? Because God sent his only son into this world. He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus, God's son, entered our world. And he experienced the dangers of this world. He traveled the rough road in his life. And that's why in John 6.33, it says this. Our Lord says this, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have peace. What is it? What did Jesus say? In this world you will have trouble. You have trouble in this world. But take heart. Why? Why? Aha. Uh-huh. Because I have overcome the world. That's what it is, friends. And how did he overcome the world? You see he travelled he travelled the unsafe road that ultimately led him. On the journey to the cross, where he was crucified for our sins, and he rose from the grave. And he traveled the unsafe road that we could have never traveled, so that we, you and I, may be safe in him. We read as our first reading a section from John chapter 17, where Jesus says this, Verses 9 and 11. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who have given me, for they are yours. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are. Protect them. Friends, so who keeps you safe? Ultimately, it could be our security forces and everything else, but no one can keep you safe for eternity. If you trust in Jesus, then no matter what, it is only he and he alone that can keep you and I safe in this life and in eternity. Our faith looks to Jesus both as an example of perseverance as well as our reward. He leads us not to Jerusalem. Not as the pilgrim went. Looking to the hills and looking to Jerusalem. Where does Jesus lead us friends? He leads us to the Jerusalem that is beyond this Jerusalem. He leads us to the new city. The city that will come down from heaven. The city of God. And that's the journey that you and I. Are on today. And we are traveling this journey. One day. Looking to be brought safely. To that eternal city. The city that is not made. By human hands. A city that says. God will say. Come. And enjoy. My city. For you. It's yours. Because my son. Traveled the lonely Road for you. What a joy is that! You see, when we take our eyes off Him, our circumstances are sure to weigh us down. But Jesus, through His death and resurrection, has overcome this world and all its sins and miseries, and now is seated at the throne. And indeed, He is worthy. To be trusted because he paid the price for our sins as the worthy lamb of God for your safety and for mine. And we are safe in him now and forever. Do you know this Jesus? Do you trust him today? Are you safe in him? Who keeps you safe? A question For you to work out. For worthy is the Lamb. Who gave his life. For us. Let's pray. Father we thank you. That Jesus. Your son. Went on the road. To Calvary. A journey. Of loneliness. Rejection. And ultimately crucifixion. That your son has risen from the grave. And that we have the assurance to know. That he journeys with us today. As we trust him. As our Lord. In Jesus name. Amen.